does that give you nostalgia for those moments? Oh, if, yeah, you, if you see course. that broken railing again. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. Because but then you're linking it to a place, aren't you? Mm. But really, it's just a motion of being with your mates at the place. Yeah. What's the difference? This should just be called Josh Clack's mental breakdown at eleven o'clock in the morning show. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's a catchy title. This I could think be it a, should. This could be a series. I reckon it could be. We could talk about different topics of me mentally breaking down. <laughs> and girls it's me Santa Claus I'm here to welcome you to this episode of the Passion List podcast because I've accidentally hit George with my sleigh and he's not feeling too good oh my head what happened oh, oh sh- sh- shush now I've got this all under control <laughs> this is this is a show where people talk about they was something they like or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really listen to it. I'm far too busy. You know, I make toys for all the boys and the little girls around the world. I make little skateboards for your thingies. I make little baby dolls that do fake wee-wees and poo-poos. Because <laughs> that's just what every kid wants for Christmas. I'm Santa Claus. He also wanted me to apologize for the quality of his microphone in this episode. Apparently it wasn't plugged in or properly or something. <laughs> oh, he's so silly. No wonder he stepped out in front of me and my reindeer. <laughs> Isn't that right? Oh no. Apparently the guest for this episode is called Josh Clack. Now, I've not heard of him, but he's some kind of Big shot photographer or something. All I know is he's on the nice list. I'm bringing that boy some Lego Star Wars for his troubles. See, in the North Pole, we don't get good Wi-Fi, so we're still on season one of The Mandalorian, but I check Twitter every morning so that I can keep up to date. Uh, anyway, this episode, Josh wanted to talk about nostalgia or something, so, uh, that's fun, I guess. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) Haha. Ma, ma, ma. That's the high school musical uh, getting like, in the zone. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Just in case you didn't realize. Help? Yeah, I'm in the zone now, yeah. Okay, good. Well, now that you're in the zone, <laughs> let's let's give it a shot. Hi, Josh. Hey, George. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, you know, pretty locked up. Uh, <laughs> Still locked up. <laughs> Still locked up. You know, holly jolly Christmas. Oh. Um, what is your topic for the, oh, for today? the podcast? Today we're going to talk about uh, nostalgia and the goods and the bads and the fakes and the truths and how it's just a crazy concept that can be good and it can also be bad depending on how you interpret in your entire life. Oh yeah. What's uh? So if I know people probably know it, but what is nostalgia? 
Oh, so nostalgia is like the thought of something that's already happened that can bring you joy or sadness in your life. It's kind of like the idea of thinking about stuff that's previously happened in your life or a emotion that's previously happened and it's normally linked to something. I can give you like a fucking uh, textbook analysis if you want. I mean, please do. Please do. (laughs) Nostalgia is a sentiment sentimentality for the past typically a period of place with a happy or personal associations but then nostalgia can also bring back bad memories for a lot of people who have trauma that don't want to talk about it yeah so that would be where the bad nostalgia comes from yeah it's an underlying problem in a lot of things like that but yeah so when you were saying uh you you were talking to me earlier about real and fake nostalgia yeah yeah what's the what's the difference between real and fake nostalgia then so at this time where we're able to consume a lot of different information that previously wasn't a mass sort of thing when people were growing up in like before television and radio and internet. So like before the 70s, really, probably 80s, mainly when films started growing hugely. Yeah, Nobody had this concept of understanding how other people lived in the same period of time as them. So to, to some extent, let's see. So now we have a like this availability to all these films, books, everything, photos. People now grasp the concept of what it was in that film and associate it with their time in their life that they should have been living in yeah. it. But in reality, they haven't experienced the same experiences as that person. But it's just the thought of being involved in that scenario. A big thing of this is like coming of age films. So during the period of time when like the Breakfast Club and all that came up, a lot of people, yeah, yeah. This is where it started like getting written about a lot more because that's when coming of age films became a really big thing. So it started getting written a lot more that you're finding that people were being asked about their high school experiences and stuff in America and relating it more back to films like the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. when in reality that stuff actually never happened to most people that ever went there no. and it became this thing of like false nostalgia and people being associating their pasts with other people's pasts that wasn't experiences of their own yeah it's essentially false memories isn't it you're implanting this sense of wholesomeness and, and this sense of power and, and the coming of age feeling that never actually really existed in your life but you just felt like it did because you've seen it in films and tv shows yeah, because obviously when you're watching it, you get enjoyment. It releases like good chemicals in your brain. So then you associate that release of good chemicals in your brain with watching a film and then release it to your own past, which then possibly isn't actually a thing in your life. You could have had a horrible experience yeah. and you're like repressing that memory with someone else's fake memory, but then it brings goodness to your life. Um, it's like brains are so mental. It's, it's so strange, isn't it? Because... They, they even have an idea when you're pitching a film, um, there is an unwritten rule for when you're pitching a coming-of-age film, for example, whereas you have to appeal to the generation, pre the previous generation, as yeah. the time that your film's going to come out. And so, like, now, for example, we're going to be we're going to be inundated with uh, coming-of-age films setting the early 2000s over the next few years. Yeah, we haven't even got to that part yeah have we because if you think about it the biggest coming of age film that's recently come out i'd say to like my interest is mid 90s yes i'm born in 1997 i'm not a 90s kid like i'm on the tail end of it Mm. but then i've got the idea in my head like not on purpose but it's like 
some of them things is relatable in some way to me. And then you get the idea that like, oh, that's how I would have loved to live my childhood like that. Even though it's not a fucking good childhood. Like, mm. Oh yeah, some... he's, he's a horrible brother. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's just mental concept that coming of age films, we've not even got to the point where coming of age films are related to our ages of growing up, yet we can all relate to them so well in yeah. some aspects. And we haven't lived through most of the stuff they're going on about. No, not at all. Do you think mid nineties in particular appealed to you though? Because it was it as well as the coming of age stuff, it also tapped into your interest of like skating and things. Oh like yeah, childhood. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like I think I love Jonah Hill. Like yeah. I don't know, I just think he's so sick in all of the stuff. Like it's probably not many people's favorite person, but I just like everything he does. And yeah, I like skating. I like the the cast members in there. I've watched them before, before they were even in the film. Mm-hmm. And then watching the film, I just thought it was sick. And I've realized like, I don't know if everybody likes coming of age films. It's one of them cliche things. It's just like everybody loves them, but they're so good at doing what they do of bringing this fake memory to you. Yeah. yeah. And then you relive parts of your life through the films that never actually happened to you and it just gives out them good chemicals in your brain and you're like yeah this is life they give you um constant realizations didn't they when you're watching them you're like oh my god yeah. my life could be this or my life could be better or so it's, it's a teenage thing isn't it really? yeah yeah but then you've got like from like stuff like that you've got the next jump up and for me, when I was a lot younger, I watched a f- lot of American Pie. I know oh, yeah. why. <laughs> it's just one of them things that was going around my friendship group as you were probably like 13, 14, 15, going up in the ages. And I look at that and I'm like, that hasn't aged well whatsoever. It's still no. entertaining in some aspects. But if I actually lived my older teenage years like they lived their older teenage years, that's not something I would have wanted to do. No. But it's in the same aspect that that's a coming of age film for an older generation in a different period of their lives to some extent. It's just got heavily based around comedy. Yeah, if they all did an, another reunion film, you'd be the first in line. Oh, 100%, man. I love that sort of thing. Apparently, uh, the easiest way to uh, advertise to millennials, so that would be us. Well, you're in the tail end of the millennials, I think. Um, yeah. Um is nostalgia that's the primary way to get through to us apparently through advertising through films through tv shows through products whatever yeah well we did like massive things that have come out recently like what sex education the end of the fucking world all of them are now portraying like a look of like mm-hmm. the early 80s 90s going back in time but really it's set in the present that people want to be living in slightly and- american slightly americanized because that's what we've all been brought up on american tv from like the 90s like i don't know for you but when i was younger all the biggest tv shows were like how i met your mother big bang theory basically anything on e4 so you just put that on during the daytime and it's there so you've yeah. got all that dress sense all of that comedy all of the americanization of how things look and that's not a memory of any of us but they're both set in england and we're yeah. both like wow this is so good and it's no one's, this isn't anyone's idea, but everybody loves it. <laughs> Do you think it's dangerous though? Because it makes us think, if it harkens back to the days that we never actually had, our brain is very good at convincing us that the past is better than what's happening right now. Oh yeah, you could repress trauma in that sort of scenario. So much. 
so much, especially now where everyone's been locked away for the best part of the year. And we're all vicariously living through these teenagers who are hanging out in apparently England, but it's always sunny and it's beautiful. And... Yeah, man, it makes no sense. You live in this outside world, but you're not actually, you're just trapped in your own house to some extent. Yeah. My big thing with it is I don't know why people just don't want to go enjoy their own experiences in life instead of reliving other people's experiences. There's safety in it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. It's like, have you heard about like people that have like this? Probably needs to be fact checked to some extent, but I've read up on it quite a bit. People who have like a really high anxiety end up rewatching the same TV programs and rewatching the same films and listening to the same music because they know that it's going to be good and they know exactly what's going to happen. So they don't have any scared of anything ever going bad within it. And if it is going bad, they already know it's happening. Yeah. I, so, oh, I know far too well about that, Josh. So you're finding that a lot of kids now, it's going to sound a bit whack, but a lot of people from, I'd say, my generation have started understanding mental health a lot more oh, and understanding yeah. that like anxiety and stuff is a real thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. And then you start looking around at some people and you're like, wow, they only ever listen to the exact same music. They never branch out. They only want to watch the same type of film, the exact same film. They've rewatched their favorite TV program like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, like these little things are all adding up for you, not experiencing stuff for yourself anymore, but taking experiences from someone else adds joy. Yeah. They reckon nostalgia is more about the feeling and the emotion that you feel during that period of time during that tv show like if you're watching coming of age and you have this euphoric feeling of wholesomeness then that feeling will be your nostalgia rather than the memory itself it's like it's a sentiment isn't it like if you're listening to sad music Mm -hmm. you you could separate yourself from the music and understand that wow this isn't actually sad because it's not actually my story then you link it to a part of something else has gone on in your life and then you link that with that it's all about linking memories and then forcing it into a nostalgic box i'd say i'd say this is a massive thing with like midwest emo and pop punk oh god like that's what i was yeah yeah you get stuff like modern baseball and like the story so far and all these emo bands yeah but like oh man it was so good at the time but what they were talking about hating their home time and stuff like that is it's not your own fault it's it's kind of planted into your head by all of these people not in like an insidious it's not done by the bands to be evil no 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 not at all because they probably do hate their hometowns oh definitely yeah (laughs) like people will have the thought and then it'll multiply and stuff yeah. And now when you listen to, if you go back and listen to a lot of that music now, you're like, damn, this is still so good. Because remember, it's this time you're like trying to be rebellious to yeah. some extent. Oh, yeah. And it's, oh, man, the brain is a mental place. It's <laughs> scary. because There's like, everyone has that period of like six, seven or eight years where every song they listen to like that, they're going, oh my God, this song's so deep. It's so about me kind of thing. And you hold those songs dear for the rest of your life, whether you know it or not, at some point, 30 years into the future, you will hear that song again and still have those feelings of like, I'm, gonna, I'm a like abandoned teenager who, who never got his worth kind of thing. Yeah, it's so relatable. See, I had this thing the, oh, a few months ago now. 
I hadn't listened to like any sort of like pop punk emo music, whatever you want to call it. And then I started listening to Modern Baseball, who came upon a random playlist. And I had never listened to them before when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But now it's like my favorite band. And whenever I listen to it, it's like all of these memories of being younger that I never actually had. Because I never listened to the music when I was younger. But I still yeah. connect everything that they're saying with stuff that happened to me when I was a lot younger. And yeah. still link to it now. And I'm like, wow, but this wasn't actually a part of me growing up. So why do I now think about this as a part of me growing up? but films for me there's a huge emphasis on nostalgia for especially stuff like horror at the moment yeah yeah. to appeal to 80s horror or 90s horror kind of thing bring characters back or bring franchises back and reboot them or have like a, a long gestating sequel come out and in my head i'm like oh oh my god it's a sequel to halloween 2 from like 1980s or whatever but then i wasn't alive in the 1980s i watched halloween 2 when i was like 16 but i'm still feeling that nostalgia for the 80s that i never lived in yeah it's crazy because uh horror films are not obviously a big uh interest in them but they came out they're coming out so like they're regurgitating and redoing all of them now aren't they like Halloween's mm. just come out again. Yeah. Every every year there's Halloween and they'll re-bring back another film. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what what's going on? <laughs> Why can't people just let stuff die and make new stuff? I get it. Like the some of them are good. Like the Halloween new Halloween's good and the Candyman's coming out and blah blah blah. But there's a new paranormal activity being made. And so that'll come out in like three or four years, right? By yeah, that yeah. point, there will be kids who would have grown up with, you know, a paranormal activity film every year. Do you know what I mean? So they'll they're go, still making oh my, them. They haven't made one for five years now. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember like number, there was one, two, and three. I think yeah. I watched one and two. Yeah. There's Is there more than six, three? There's six of them, I think. How are they still doing the same thing? Well, that's the, we don't know what it's going to be like, but it is appealing to that nostalgia, isn't it? For those kids who, you know, when you start going to see, and you, you hit 15 years old in the UK and you go, right, I can go see a horror film in the cinema with my mates and, and have jump scares and, and be really edgy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because now you're saying that Paranormal Activity was like the first scary film that I remember everybody watching at secondary school. It, was, it went round and it had uh, word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's 2007. Mm-hmm. So that's 13 years ago. So I would have been 10. Was I really watching it at 10 years old? I don't think I would have been watching it at 10 years old because I remember it going around at secondary school. So I don't even think I was interested in it on first release. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Outside of films, when Pokemon Go came out yeah, yeah. a couple of years back, that banked on nostalgia hugely. Pokemon rests on nostalgia. Oh yeah, 100% man. I was looking into this the other day because I remember my first console, handheld, whatever you want to call it, it was Game Boy Color, not the mm-hmm. original Game Boy. Me and my brother both got them. I got Pokemon Yellow, he got Pokemon Red, and my stepbrother at the time got Pokemon Blue, one one of the way around. So we all had it for Christmas. Pokemon Yellow came out in England in the 2000s, dead on 2000, like June. Mm-hmm. I would have been three years old. Why can I remember playing that? I didn't, I obviously never had it at three. Why would my mum give me 
a Game Boy at three years old. That makes no sense in my head. Yeah, I can clearly remember playing it, and I thought it would have come. I would have got it on release time, sort of thing. Yeah, but I'm gonna guess it was years on. But you felt like it was such an important thing to you at the time. But I don't think I was free. <laughs> my, I mean, it's not uncommon to give a three-year-old a handheld game console. I don't think. I have no concept of what a child's growing up is. I have no idea from birth to when you start walking and talking. Very few people do. Like, if you did, I'd be a bit more worried, Josh. Like, so at three years old, I don't believe I was conscious enough to be playing a handheld Pokemon game and understanding everything that was going on in there. Because I couldn't read. Could no. I read at three? Not enough. So, you couldn't read Pokemon. So, like... Oh man, it just it messes with my head so much. Yeah. When I look at release dates and when I can remember doing stuff. That's not just you. That's the thing, though, isn't it? Your your memory isn't actually your memory. It's just your brain remembering the last time you remembered something. Yeah. Which is which is why memories go missing or memories change or you remember stuff that never actually happened. We are going back to. Paranormal Activity 2007 mm. but I remember that being a massive thing in secondary school so I would have been in like 12, 13 to be able to probably go around to my friend's house and watch it yeah but it's my dad has a very strict one that he adheres to which can't be true which is that he talks about uh, he had a Mega Drive you know Yeah. and he says he used to play Sonic the Hedgehog before I was born and like when he was little right so yeah. i got curious and i looked at when sonic the hedgehog came out and it didn't come out until the 90s and it was it was only like a couple of years before i was born so he would have been with my mom so i was like that's bullshit you you were not a kid playing sonic the hedgehog you were a grown adult and you make fun of me for playing games and yeah you were a grown adult playing sonic the hedgehog i'm just looking now the mega drive came out in 88 and lived mm-hmm. was produced till 97 Mm-hmm. So if you were born in 96 I was 95 95 even Wow you're old man Well Sonic I think came out in 91 or 92 So yeah he would have been an adult Yeah So this this is a fake memory he's got That he brings up every single time Anything happens about Sonic the Hedgehog When the film came out He yeah, you know, yeah. launched into the memory of like Oh I used to play this when I was younger And I just turned around and went No you fucking didn't <laughs> Dad, this was released in 1991 when you were about 28. <laughs> do you think that franchises that do a, like a yearly release and that they bank purely on nostalgia? Because let's face it, they do. Call of Duty banks on everyone remembering secondary school. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, do you think that's a negative thing? Do you think... Because technically, they advance very little year to year. FIFA... Oh, FIFA makes so no little. sense to me. We're both not interested in football very often, but FIFA no. makes no sense. Yeah, I like it. Could just be you could release DLC every year, and that would be it's, it. Just move the players around. Yeah, <laughs> surely that's what it is. I don't know if like we're getting to this age where we realize there's a lot more that we could do in our lives instead of sit down and play video games, even though they're a form of escapism and enjoyment. But like. You can sit down and do so much more stuff. You don't even have to sit down. You can go outside. It's, it's meant such a mental concept, isn't it? 
it's a lot easier to get that rush of endorphins from nostalgia though by just putting a disc in yeah it's a lot easy playing a youtube video very easy escapism but when i bought modern warfare this yeah first lockdown that we went into mate getting back on that headset playing with everybody again in the xbox live party oh that was that was good enjoyment (laughs) (laughs) i've not had enjoyment like that in years (laughs) And now nobody wants to play it. So it's just dead boring again now. So you realize that the only thing that brought joy with the game was sitting in an Xbox Live party with your mates. And it's not necessarily the game that brings the joy. It's Mm -hmm. having time with your friends. And right now in this sort of world where everybody's sort of, we've grown up, we've finished university, we've all moved to different cities. We don't talk every day. We don't hang out every day. Begin that enjoyment of wow, I can be in a place of six of my mates playing a game all at once online. Yeah. We all have these apps that tell you on this day this happened, and it will send you a video of like a party you were at or that yeah. you were surrounded by friends, and you get that sadness a little bit, <laughs> you know? Sadness that I'm no longer surrounded by friends. Yeah, that's the dark side of nostalgia, isn't it? Is it's you you can't you've lost can't live in the past no you just can't live in the past you've got to always be looking forward to make things better well that's the thing apparently um there's a thing called anticipatory nostalgia right oh where it is you're feeling nostalgia for something that's still happening now but you know it's going to end at some point soon but surely that's just enjoying the moment like it's prevent it's it's almost preventing you from enjoying it because you're wallowing in the fact that it's going to disappear. I did this towards the end of university a lot. Like I was constantly, I was a downer on nights out. I'd usually at some point turn to someone and go, "Can't believe we're leaving in like three months," and they go, "Fuck off." Yeah, George, because that's just not the outlook that you're going to have to have on life. You got to see the positives. Gotta be like, hell yeah, I can enjoy this now, man. But apparently that there's a study on it as well, this anticipatory nostalgia thing. And apparently it weakens your relationships as a person and then and, and makes your social skills worse because in your head you just kind of dwell on the fact that this is gonna end. Everything so I might as well <laughs> so so I might as well not bother, you know. Oh dear. That's I've I've like looked into this some point, like in some ways but for my master's degree for people that don't know um, nobody knows because who's listening to this that knows millions of people josh millions of people listen true definitely not 30 30 is a lot more than if 30 people came in the door right now you wouldn't know what's two of them so be appreciative (laughs) (laughs) this is what i always mystic you are this is what I always think when everyone's like oh I'm bummed out I've only got 15 likes on this photo if 15 people walked through your door right now and told you that they like that you would have no idea what to do with yourself yeah but yeah with my master's degree uh, uh, I looked into the idea of like nostalgia people living through memories that weren't their own and really that your experience of someone else's experience isn't the same experience as them having an experience yeah that's just a lot of things but it's basically like their experience isn't your experience and no as hard as you try you can't make their experience your experience but you can experience their experience in a way yeah 
So if you watch, I think this is going to be a massive thing when we grow up. Now everybody vlogs. If you go back and watch like the start of YouTube vlogs, mm-hmm. it's going to be the same sort of thing. It's scary, isn't it? Because now we've got it on tap. We can access yeah. it whenever we want to. Do, do you watch people who don't make YouTube videos, old YouTube videos? Of course. Oh, who doesn't? Exactly. But like, Every so often, you'll find a YouTube channel that you've never watched before and haven't uploaded in like five years, mm-hmm. and you rewatch all their videos, and you're like, "Wow, this is such a good experience. I wish I had it, but I'm experiencing it now. I didn't experience it then, so I'm really experiencing it because everything in your brain has changed to a point where you've understood a lot more about the subjects and everything. So yeah. you weren't experiencing it on the same level as they were. Yeah. So like. It's going to sound so bad, but it's like when you go back and watch old videos or old films now and you realize that certain people are dead or in prison for stuff, and you realize you probably shouldn't enjoy the film. Mm. But when it came out, people were enjoying it because nobody knew about all of this stuff that this poor person was going on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So, should you still enjoy it? I think you should still enjoy it, but I don't think we should have as much access to it. Like, it's just crazy. We are technically the last generation that will have had at least some time without the internet. Yeah. So I can remember not having a computer. Yeah, definitely. Not being able to go online at all. Like uh, online was like an hour treat thing until I was like 10 or 11. See, on our computer, we weren't allowed games because games created viruses or slowed down the computer apparently according to my mum back in the day how wrong we you were know, how wrong we were so the only time I can remember going and playing games was going to my mate Michael's house and he he was the only one of my friends that I remember growing up that was allowed games on his computer yeah. all in CDs all and the, the games we mostly played was uh, is it Civilization where you I don't think it was. It's like an Egyptian thing, but you build. I think it was called. Oh, Pharaoh! It was called Pharaoh. Okay. I just googled it. It came in, out in 1999. <laughs> but yeah, that's the only thing that I can really, like really remember. I live in the moment right now, so I've got no worries in the world because my life's going all right, and that's the best way to think about it. Yeah. Do you think then, by living in the moment? you're actively creating more nostalgia for your future. Do you think that's the thing? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works. But can you create nostalgia? You can't. Mm. Because surely nostalgia is just good memories. So if you're purposely going out to create a nostalgic sense of you growing up, you're going to put really obvious tells around you. It's like, oh, I only drank that bottle of beer on that one night so whenever i have that one bottle of beer i'm going to remember that night because there's an associating subject that i've only done on that one period of time yeah i'm not doing that i'm just having a good time with my friends doing whatever i want to do because i'm at this period of my time where i'm 23 i have my own money i live in my own place and i can really basically do what i want Mm, yeah it sets you up for failure almost especially in social situations where you're so nostalgic for something like when everyone gets together i will i know in my head i'll constantly be like ah why doesn't this feel the same why isn't this as good as that other time that i'm remembering 
Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's like, why isn't it as... Because you will have times that you go and see your mates. It's not as good as the last time you went and saw your mates. Yeah. But you can just be doing something different. You know, I think you've got to appreciate every time you see your mates for different reasons. But then, you know, a couple of years later down the line, you'll remember that time where you thought you would it was disappointing, but it turns out it wasn't actually disappointing because it created this new nostalgia that you're now feeling. Yeah, because there's going to be like parts of everything that you enjoy yeah surely as much as like everyone's like oh they could hate like let's say someone hates their job at some point they'll probably do hate your job but i bet you there'll be a part of it that you slightly enjoy and you'll look back on that job as hatred but then you'll be like oh but that one co-worker that was enjoyable so maybe i didn't hate as much as i thought i did at the time but then that can be dangerous because then you can be like oh no it was all all right so i'll go and do it again really it was really bad they reckon that's why like people who grow up with abuse tend to marry into abusive relationships and things like that. Yeah. Not because I mean they're not seeking out the same <laughs> feeling actively, but you know, there's like a subconscious level to it. Because you remember it not as bad as it used to be. Yeah. But that's you know, you, if your parents did it, then it's oh technically it's it feels normal for like your partner to do it. That's a bit. It's a bit bad, isn't it, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> We're in the bad half, Josh. We're talking about bad nostalgia here. I wouldn't even call that. That's that's pure trauma. They used to nostalgia used to be classified as a disease. Did you know that? No, man. That's in, so this is some of the research I've got, right? Which I thought was very strange. Yeah, so... mine's not research. Mine's just based on life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I well, I don't have one. All right. <laughs> A master's so I, degree that somehow I got top grades in. Who who will ever know? <laughs> oh, my God. Apparently, um, in 1688, the term nostalgia was created as a disease, right? Yeah. By a Swiss physician, physician called, oh, this is going to be awful, Johannes Hofer. And mm. he said that nostalgia was a deadly disease with no cure and that it mostly affected soldiers. So he was likening it to PTSD a lot. Yeah. And there was even a, a Swiss song called Q Rayon, which caused such strong nostalgia for members of the public, right? That if you played the song, it was punishable by death. But wasn't this also the period of time where they were giving cocaine to people with headaches? Yes. So yes. how how deep can we look into theories from? And it wasn't far removed from, you know, drowning women <laughs> in witchcraft. Yeah, like... It's interesting to know what they were thinking back then, but man, like the developments in learning has come so far, even like the past like five years. And like, you're never gonna have locked off experiences much anymore. You know, you know, when even when I was a kid, I remember specific like days or, or holidays where you'd like you'd get stuck in a caravan or whatever, and it would just there'd be like no one really had a phone, no one gave a shit about technology or anything you weren't like yeah. constantly up to date with the news you'd have to watch the news at nine o'clock in order yeah. to gauge anything you know yeah yeah yeah. i remember being on holiday the only thing we could do is go see the dodgy man on the car boot to get dvds oh yeah yeah and then i was like that was it <laughs> in the caravan we didn't have anything is that nostalgic josh are you nostalgic for that uh, yeah, I love Skegness.
nostalgic memories for you then? Can you give us can you give us an example maybe? Oh dear, George. Are something we something about... that gives you ex- nostalgia. <laughs> are we talking about good things now, George? Um, I mean, if you've got a bad one, I'll take it. I don't have any bad memories, George. All right, then. Give us a good one. <laughs> so during lockdown recently, uh, some nerd shit right here. Uh, I've been getting back into Warhammer, something I did when I was definitely, I can remember doing it between the ages of like 10 and 14. I'm now with the ability where I can afford to buy my own stuff. So now I can enjoy things that I want to enjoy that I think I enjoyed when I was younger. And it turns out that I still enjoy them a lot now. It sucks when it's the other way around. It sucks when it's the wrong way. But then it's like, wow, nostalgia is such a powerful thing and it's so good. But then am I enjoying it or am I just enjoying it because I think I used to enjoy it? Judging by, you know, the photos I get every day of of updates of how far (laughs) you've got with painting a figure or something, I'd say you enjoy it. I do enjoy it. It takes me ages to sit down and be like, oh, I'm going to paint today. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I do, I'm like, wow, I'm here for like a good few hours because I enjoy it. But the setting up of doing the activity takes forever. I'll put it off for so long. And I don't know why. It's it's linked to the Warhammer though, isn't it? It's not like, it's not something that you remember because of a specific memory. Yeah, well, no, I used to go out and play in like competitions and paint and do all that stuff. Hang yeah. out with my friends yet again, doing it. So it's like, is it that? <laughs> is it the idea that the thing that I'm doing is then linked to hanging out with my friends, which I'm nostalgic about because I'm locked up on my own, Maybe. doing nothing? But is this giving me some sense of joy? Like, I do really enjoy it. This is the thing. But when you start thinking about how you enjoy stuff, it just it's mental. You, it's giving into the the marketing a little bit. But the marketing is there because it works, because people do want to relive those moments. Yeah. In like an uncynical way, they want to, like, I bought old Batman cartoons that I used to watch as a kid because, you know, they give me that feeling, you know, yeah. and I'm re-watching them and I'm like, I, this is just, ah, I'm feeling warm <laughs> inside kind of thing. If I watch Bagpuss or something, yeah, yeah. I get that warm feeling. But then do you actually enjoy it, George? Or is it nostalgia making you think you enjoy it? There's dun, is, dun, it's a bit dun. of both. Sometimes I will watch stuff or engage with stuff that wasn't, you know, a part of my childhood. But there's such a rich a lot of it granted is Christmas themed. I'm a big sucker for Christmas stuff. Yeah. Like certain songs come on the radio or I will YouTube them just for like that little hit. You know, dopamine, where I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Christmas films. Like, what is it? Home Is it Home Alone? Yeah, yeah. Home, everybody watches Home Alone at Christmas. Elf? Everybody watches Elf at Christmas. I'm a when Muppet's you, Christmas Carol guy. But Muppet's Christmas Carol didn't come out when we were kids. It did. Nah, fam. I remember that as a teenager, I swear. No, no. <laughs> Let the record show that 1992 right. 1992 yeah. I, yeah grew up with a worn out video of Muppets Christmas Carol did they release a new film when we were teenagers then there was a Muppets Christmas 2011 
the there Muppets. Was, there was the Muppets in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, what I'm thinking of. You know, Sorry. there's dozens of Muppets movies. I I can't say that I've ever been interested in the Muppets. That's horrifying because Muppets are great. But when you watch the Muppets film, mm-hmm. does your dad like it? No, but my dad didn't like it ever. This is what I'm trying to say, right? So if you watch Home Alone and you watch Elf and mm-hmm. you watch what's like the other big Christmas films that always come on every year that oh. everybody watches. Oh, you've got stuff like um, Miracle on 34th Street, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah, that, that's the one. No, I wouldn't even say Nightmare Before Christmas is like a good one. What I'm trying to say is, if you watch Elf and you watch Home Alone, they appeal mm-hmm. to both kids and adults. So you're at that period of time where you're a child and you're enjoying it for certain factors. And then you're nostalgic for it. So you're like, oh yeah, let's watch this every single year. Mm-hmm. And when you get to like our age and sort of growing older, you're finding more aspects of that film which you then enjoy. Yeah, it's got adult humour in it. Yeah, and it's stuff like that that's really well written. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Oh, so yeah, it want, helps. It helps if it's good. Like, it has to still be good. Yeah, yeah, no. But it's like this transitional thing where you remember it being so good from your childhood and you're enjoying it at that level of enjoyment. And then you're re-watching it and you're like, wow, there's so much more to this. <laughs> it's remember, like, yeah. now I enjoy it now at this age. So when I'm getting older, which age am I going to remember of enjoying it at? Mm-hmm. I remember watching Toy Story at a certain age and I'd grown up a little bit and I started getting jokes that I didn't get before and being like, oh, that means that or that's a sex joke. So now it's like, do you enjoy it now more or did you enjoy it then more? Or are you enjoying it more now because you enjoyed it then? I think that. I think that. like, Like Toy Story 4 came out and blew me away and I cried and... You know, because Toy Story is as old as me, you know? Yeah, Toy Story is good. But like, Toy Story is about nostalgia because it's about the toys, you know. Yeah, it's about kids' toys, isn't it? It's so, and it's so strange because then Toy Story 4 came out on the day I had to move out of Lincoln. Oh, no. So, did you have to wait ages to watch it then or did you watch it the day before you? I Well, it wasn't out. It came out on the day I left. So with the moment I got home, I made my... Because I, I live quite far from the cinema and I don't drive. So I made my dad go, I want to see Toy Story 4. And he was like, yeah, all right. What, other, what else are you nostalgic for? You were t- talking to me um, another time about film photography and how things that are shot on film. Oh, yeah. This is a massive dive into my entire life and my worthwhile as a person who even knows the <laughs> truth anymore. Because Josh so, yeah. is a very good photographer, everyone. I'm not. It's a lie. I just take photos every so often, and I don't even take photos anymore because my life's become a lie, and I don't know what to do with myself. I liked your forest ones. Thanks, man. All right, so recently now, you're seeing so many people shoot films, like actual movie films, on film. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot of people take photos on films, <clears throat> on film even. A lot of people that are doing this weren't alive when or weren't practicing doing this when film was a thing but they love the look of it and they love the look of everything that was done previously to them mm-hmm. so they want to do it but then there becomes this idea that if you shoot on film and stuff your film is automatically better because of the look and the sense of thought that 
is being processed by people's heads by seeing the medium that is being done on. And to my extent, I love seeing a film that's filmed on film. <laughs> yeah. I think it looks so much better, but do I actually? And I just have this mental capacity in my head where am I actually enjoying stuff and it's not a way to live? <laughs> is it just because it's pristine and it's more expensive and it's more arty to shoot something on film? The grain looks alive in the background. But, right, have you seen Knives Out? No. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think of another, because there is, Knives Out is digital, was shot on digital. Yeah. But they edited it to make it look like film. Yeah. Well, we can go back to mid-90s. Yeah. Oh, Jonah yeah. Hill, Jonah Hill's first film, so he technically has, like, as a director or whatnot, no experience in recording films. He's been on set a lot and stuff. So I suppose he has seen the differences between being shot on film and not shot on film. Yeah. That man was alive during the period of time where film movies and whatnot were filmed on film. He's a lot older than us. But why was his first feature length? It was obviously set in the 90s, so it would have been filmed on film. But the storytelling would have been exactly the same if it was filmed on the digital camera. Yeah. But it's so much more enjoyable. But why, film. Can you, but why Josh? I have no idea, George. It's just that false sense of enjoyment of the painstaking hours that this man has put in to record and everything that could have fucking gone wrong with it. Have you seen the video clip of someone that's put it on VHS and it looks even better? Yeah. Have but you watched a, the that's VHS trend, version? Though. That's the yeah. poison of nostalgia though. Like things are being released on VHS again and things are being released on tape. Albums you can get on tape. Again. I have a tape player. I have a vinyl I have a, player. I have a tape player. I've still got all my old tapes. Exactly. But that doesn't mean I want to it now get more tapes. This is the thing, man. And why am I paying so much more for a tape? I don't get it. In the past month, right, I've bought the new albums from uh, McFly, Gorillaz, and Tim Minchin, who are three people who are like, I've listened at various different points of my life. You know, Gorillaz, I've got on tape still. <laughs> stuff. All, like, I know musicians and artists and all that have careers, so of course they're going to keep releasing stuff. But for all, when I bought their albums, all three of them had like the option to buy it on tape. And I was like, who is this for? It's, I know it's a collector's thing, most of all. But have you listened to a new release on tape? No. Tape deteriorates the more times you listen to it, so it becomes more characteristic. So yeah. you get a lot of hits, you get a lot of home, you get a lot of buzzing and stuff. And now you listen to a modern tape recording tape, and it's, it's clinical, clinical to the extent that the like instruments and the voice and stuff is recording so well. But yeah. You're still getting the properties of the tape itself and the player. So it's taken back that idea of, wow, this is on tape. It's a physical format. I can enjoy it in it's a person. Thing. That's a yeah. big thing now as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's like vinyls are such a big thing. Yeah. And vinyls are still such a big thing. And it's really good to see that they're still such a big thing because this is an enjoyment that a lot of people have. Yeah. Like you can touch I, it, you can hold it, you can yeah. you know, you go and buy old ones from the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Yeah, and I can hold on to that tape or that vinyl. Well, tape not so much, but I can hold on to a vinyl and 
I can play my nan's vinyls, my nan can play my vinyls. Yeah. If we're going back to photography and stuff like that, I couldn't tell you where my photos were from five, ten years ago. But I have all my negs and I can look through my archive and I can pinpoint exactly what date and stuff stuff was photos were taken on because I have the physical thing. But then if like I've not never got to worry about when USB changes from A to C or to mm-hmm. B or whatever is going on now. Yeah. Like so I think people have that sense of they don't want to lose stuff. That mid nineties film is it's on a massive fucking roll. Yeah. If all of the like video DVDs and everything get destroyed, some You've still random, got that original copy. Yeah, some random dude in a warehouse somewhere in a temperature controlled building still has this master roll of film with the entire film spliced on together. It blows my mind, man. It just genuinely does. But then you're getting all these people that are shooting photos and stuff, and are they shooting photos because they think it looks cool, which is fair enough. I fully understand it. Then you get to the sort of people that are shooting photos of film and stuff because they're bloody scared of losing everything in their life and not having anything to remember it by. Then it gets to the point of you're getting... You're not nostalgic about the process. You're nostalgic about what you're doing. You're taking this artifact to remember something that you can just should be able to remember yourself if it was that good of an experience. Yeah. And it comes to like living in the moment mentality of you should be enjoying experiences instead of documenting experiences. Yeah. Do you ever just sit there and contemplate your entire life when you start thinking about how nothing really matters and everything's every moment you're experiencing now isn't new? Oh, all the time. That's my identity, Josh. <laughs> Have you ever heard of an idea called morphic resonance? No, nah, go on. So morphic resonance is this idea that um, it's like a, it's sort of like telepathy or an interconnection between thoughts and emotions between organisms or collections of beings, right? Yeah. So that's why, for example, your dog would get excited because it would somehow know that you were nearby or on your way home, like outside the door or something. Yeah. Or it's why uh, people have phantom limb syndrome, you know, where they've got like, yeah, yeah. and they can still feel it. Um, some people also think that it's, you know, one of the possible explanations for the supernatural ghosts and the like. So they reckon that ghosts aren't like spirits trapped in a place. They are the collective experiences, thoughts and emotions that have happened in a location that haunt the place rather than a person. Yeah. I just don't believe in ghosts. No, but do you find the idea that it could be the collection? Because emotions are powerful shit, right? I mean, that's why nostalgia is the thing. All right. The big thing here is, yeah, I feel like if when you died, nothing happens. Yeah. Like you just stop everything about you stops existing. Yeah. Yeah. So if that happens, why would a group mentality thought about something produce ghosts? Why do you feel nostalgia for stuff you've not lived through? Because I've experienced it in a different manner. Have, well, the house is ex- or the location or the group or whatever has experienced. But how can an inanimate object experience something? This is the idea, you know. They I don't know. This is far it's... too deep of a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm on the same level as you, but I like I like going. If you go to like a place, like a good one's Lincoln Cathedral. 
If you go to Lincoln Cathedral in the walls, you can see people have carved their name and yeah. chipped away. And it has like 1804 and stuff. I like the mentality that me in 2020 is seeing this guy from 1804's handwriting carved into the wall. Yeah. And we're sharing the same space at different points in time. That's and experiencing weird, it. it. Experiencing it differently, but to some extent, we're experiencing the same thing differently at different periods of time. We're both technically present. Because I'm now thinking like, who the hell is Roger from 1804 carving his name in there? But Roger from 1804 would have no concept of the future that's happening right now. No. Whereas from what I've learned, I'll have a concept of what that guy might have gone through. I think a mad, mad thing is <laughs> school halls, if you go into a school hall, you look at the floor, wooden floor, how messed up that school hall has become. Or like a town hall or something, scratches, dents. Everybody's been to that exact same place to go through the exact same thing, but have experienced it. Everyone's experienced it differently. Yeah. Because that's a place that you are going to school. School halls are then used for like extracurriculum and stuff like that. But the majority of the use there and the marks there are from people going to school doing PE or assemblies and stuff. But Do you ever think about, have you ever made a mark or a dent on a physical place like a location and thought about someone will see that dent that I've just made or whatever? Yeah, 100%, man. I can't even remember places that I've done that, but you definitely like accidentally kick a rock off a wall or something along them lines or carve your name in a tree. Yeah, things like that or when you accidentally break a gate and you're like wow you go back to that sort of place and you're like wow that fence is still broken yeah when me and my mates used to go out like skating a lot and stuff going around when we were a bit younger if we were like skating a spot or like riding a spot or something along there you grind and you'd shred away the surface and it'd disintegrate and there's there are loads of people I can remember going to like a metal rail once, riding the rail and the rail just snaps and like the entire top bit of the rail goes and that rail still hasn't been replaced. <laughs> but that's you, you did that. Apparently, well, we didn't remove it. We left it there. Someone kind of just screwed it back in or something. Yeah. But your effect on a place is always everlasting to some extent because you've done it and experienced it. If it gets replaced, the experience is still happened there. Yeah, that's a physical act you've done. Yeah. More so than an emotional one. Although the physical, the reminder of the physical stuff, does that give you nostalgia for those moments? Oh, if yeah. You, if you see course. that broken railing again. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. But then you're linking it to a place, aren't you? Mm. But really, it's just a motion of being where you're made to the place. Yeah. What's the difference? This should just be called Josh Clack's Mental Breakdown at 11 o'clock in the morning show. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that's a catchy title. This I think it should. Su- this could be a series. I reckon it could be. We could talk about different topics of me mentally breaking down. <laughs> so let's just remember some good times then, Josh. We all what? went to Wales in September. That was a good time. Yeah. Am give I nostalgic for that? More. Is it long enough in the past to be nostalgic about? Or am I just remembering a good time? Would that be a difference between nostalgia and remembering a good time? Is it a distance between it? Is it? I think it could be defined as a distance between it, potentially. What do you think, like, 
at least a year, maybe. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's. I don't know. Probably remembering a good time is down to T. Nostalgia is a feeling. Yeah. I got quite vivid skateboarding again this past lockdown. Yeah, it's a good time. But when I go on that skateboard, I'm not remembering every single good time I've had. I'm being nostalgic about the feeling of riding a skateboard because the feeling. Yeah. So I'd say nostalgia could probably be based on feelings rather than exact remembrance. Yeah. It's an idea of I had fun doing that rather than I did this exact thing, so I'm going to do this exact thing over again. Yeah. You don't, you know, if you, it's the same, I guess if you're in a relationship, it's like this person makes me happy. I'm not staying with them to, you know, maintain the nostalgia of being happy with them. I'm staying with them because they still make me happy. That hasn't ended. Yeah, yeah, no, they should be making you happy every day. Yeah. Yeah, you're not you're not with them because a a year ago you were happy. You shouldn't be like you should be with them because they still make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, let's go over some good times, George, that we've had together. All right. We can have together. We can have alone. One time I was walking home and George was drunk petting a cat. That's a good time. This is a good one. If you go to West Common now, I don't think of one singular time, but I'm nostalgic about the entire area, about every good memory that I've had there with my friends. It's, that's all of Lincoln for me. Yeah. Well, I've not been to Lincoln since, or have I, since after Frequency Festival last year, really. But I've not been there with people who I spent the four years of studying with, really. Yeah. So I feel like if I went with them now, it'd be a completely different experience to me just going. It's been like uh, shooting the 48-hour film. Yeah, that was a good one. That was hectic, that was but that was good. But in reality, George, we weren't we weren't really good friends until fourth year, third year. Yeah. Until, we, Did, until we lived together. Until we lived together. So we don't really have many memories from ages ago, bar me coming to your house and telling you how much I loved you when I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we have uni specifically I feel like because I was in charge of the memories I made more than ever yeah like, it wasn't a family thing it was like oh I went out with these yeah, I people I chose to do everything yeah 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 so you look back at that time with a lot more fondness because over four years of time you probably cr- like crammed in a lot more choices of fun periods of time rather than when you were growing up where you might have only had weekends. And then even then, you didn't have free choice to do anything that you wanted to do because you didn't have the money or accessibility to go anywhere. Exactly, yeah. And I've got to keep it up for the rest of my life. (laughs) We all now live for the... They always say don't live for the weekends, but uh, getting money is really hard. Mm -hmm. And if people have kids, you've then got to you got to face the fact that you're going to be part, like mostly responsible for their memories and their experiences. Kids are whack, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we all just free fall? Just, just you genuinely had a breakdown throughout the course of. <laughs> you started off vaguely. You you were like living in the moment and positive, and you just. Deteriorated. Like, why can't we just give up and free fall into whatever? I've got something I want to talk about. Go on. I don't know if you've been seeing this all over the internet. 
Pokemon cards. Everybody's reopening Pokemon cards packets. There's been a massive price hike in that. Nostalgia, it's not as good as you remember. It's just gambling. It's 100% gambling. It was always gambling, though. Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. But uh, when you were a kid, you didn't understand gambling. No. You didn't know that that base set Charizard is going to be worth £70,000 right now, or however much it's worth. Yeah. Now at the age where you can experience things from your childhood that now bring monetary value and joy to pe- other people's. And you can open a packet of Pokemon cards and earn 70 grand, but you can also lose a thousand pounds. Yeah. It's I... mental. If you look at it now, all these big streamers and stuff, they're just opening packs on packs on packs. It's like, it's not, it's going to run out eventually. And no one's going to have that same enjoyment of opening old packs again. But then it's just gambling where one of the, what, 11 cards is going to be £70,000 Charizard or however much they are. I opened uh, like a couple packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and a couple packs of uh, Pokemon cards. And I can say I did not get the enjoyment as I did as a kid because I now understand that I could have pulled a £70,000 Charizard or whatever. And I got disappointed at the fact I didn't. <laughs> See, you're doing it for the monetary gain. Yeah. Now. I think most people are unknowingly because it's just gambling and gambling's enjoyable. Yeah. And when you were a kid, you just wanted to see what... You, you wanted you, to see you what... You just wanted cards that you didn't already have. Yeah. And I could go on eBay and buy exactly what card I want. Yeah. But then, like, all the Pokemon games that are coming out now, what they did, Pokemon Go, that was massive. That brought so many people back into it. <laughs> But and by just, just doing the first generation of Pokemon. Yeah. And then oh, 151. Remade. Yeah, man. Heart Gold and Soul Silver. I know that was quite a while ago now, but I'm pretty sure that's one of the games that holds the price the most. I think most of the time now it goes to even more than retail. Yeah. That's and that's, it's just a better version of the same game we played when a kid. When Fire Red and Leaf Green came out, that was my favorite game. Oh, yeah. But hours and hours and hours on that game. The one that I put, the ones I put the most time into was Diamond and Ruby, Pearl. Emerald, and Diamond and Pearl. Yeah. And I played so much of that. So I've been wanting to buy a 2DS or 3DS or whatever so I could buy Ruby, Soul Silver again. Yeah. But they haven't got a DS version of the original one. No. So that's a massive thing they missed out on. I mean, they did it for Game Boy. Like, Fire Red and Leaf Green was technically... That's advanced... Yeah, Game Boy Advance. Yeah, the original. The Pokemon game has advanced to a point of where it's all like EVs and stuff, but you have to be super into it. The accessible level of the game hasn't evolved. Yeah. But if you deep dive into it, it's got deeper and deeper and deeper. And then this new advance onto Switch... It's tried to evolve, but it just hasn't got to the point where people are as hyped as they once were. But that looks good. I want to buy a Switch just to play it. But do I? Who knows? Will I enjoy it as much? Who knows? It's not not about enjoying it as much, Josh. It's about enjoying the new thing for what it is. Okay. And the merchandise nostalgia (laughs) is dangerous because of that, because it's so caught up in... That's why they advertised to millennials with nostalgia because 
no matter what. If the new Call of Duty game is shit, people will still go, oh, but the old ones were really good though, weren't they? And you'll still <laughs> yeah, play it. I'll give it a go, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, life's just so mental. It hurts, George. What am I meant to be? Judging. What am I doing? <laughs> well, in a positive way, nostalgia's a good to some extent because you do enjoy a lot of things you used to enjoy. Yeah. And I don't think people should look negatively back on it. They should probably ignore everything I've said for the past hour and a half, two hours, or whatever long we've been on this chat for. Because it's just me going crazy, man. Well, they say, like, there are people who, like, like you said, we brought up earlier, nostalgia is being used to treat serious diseases. And they actually think that nostalgia can have a positive influence on creativity. Yeah. Um, especially if like if I'm trying to write something and I want to evoke a certain kind of emotion, I will go back and watch something or try and recapture something that makes me feel the same way I want that yeah, um, yeah. line to feel or that script to feel. Yeah. And it does it makes you it makes you pine for for enthusiasm again. If I'm feeling nostalgic for a song or something and it's blaring in my earphones, I want to, you know put that energy into something yeah you're still enjoying it the same amount so or even more for a different reason so it's a positive man yeah do you think it's going to get better or worse in the future or do you think it's going to get more powerful oh i'm false nostalgia is going to get more of a thing because there's a lot more stuff being made about our generation now Mm-hmm. so we're going to have coming of age films of the early 2000s coming out soon being even more of a thing you're going to see people getting like their first phones and stuff like that technology is such a good way to date film and TV but coming forward it's just such a hindrance on the actual TV and film it's distracting yeah yeah like oh, I don't know man it's just mental this has got to be called Josh Clack's Mental Breakdown podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas episodes. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Oh. So you don't have any nostalgia necessarily for Christmas? or I enjoy my Christmases. I have very good Christmases. As I get older, I realise that my parents provided provided to me a lot more than I thought they did. And I think yeah. that's just an understanding of money now as I'm growing a bit older. I was talking to my mum uh, the other month. When I first got back into paying a few Warhammer figures over the last lockdown, I rang her I was like, how the hell did you buy me this stuff when I was a kid? And like, you let me do this. And I was like, wow, uh, God, check your privilege on being allowed to do stuff like this and how yeah. much your parents actually put out for you. So I have very fond memories of my parents being very nice to me, and especially my mum when she was a single parent, always provided me for very well. Yeah. This is what uh, I was saying. When like, when you've got a kid, you're then responsible for their memories. So you've got to ensure that they have a good Christmas or a good birthday. Or Yeah. And I've and got my, that sense from, from my family's treatment of Christmas. Like, the, our tree was huge. The whole house would be filled with decoration. Yeah, yeah. You've got to make it this overly overly sensitized thing don't you mm-hmm. so when they grow up and look back it's great and like my christmas was like pretty amazing i remember like obviously nan and granddad and whatnot come around we always made lego and still if i make lego lego's so fun yeah. lego's sick 
<laughs> we're not talking about Lego though. <laughs> but yeah, it's the adult in you fighting with the child in you. Yeah, man. I just need to let go. Yeah. But Christmas is the time you're allowed to let go briefly. <sighs> yeah, man. But I, I do wonder what's going to happen this Christmas. It'll, you know, it'll be a bad Christmas and then it will be a better Christmas next year for it. Uh, hey guys, I sure hope that you know that the only reason podcasts are getting really popular these days is because nobody has listens to radio now and people prefer having the choice of listening to their contact in the same manner. So you're getting nostalgic to listen to radio in the car, but really you've grown up and realised you can make your own choices in life. So this is why you choose to listen to this sort of stuff instead of radio, which you can't choose with no adverts. Have a Where good holidays. Where did that come from? Is this just the this is the end? This is the antithesis of your of your breakdown, Josh, is you're gonna become this like super scathing, omniscient, Charlie Brooker esque like George, I really don't know anymore. <laughs> well, you know, maybe in a year's time we'll look back on this podcast itself and feel nostalgic for the conversation we had where hey, do you remember when you had that breakdown? Yeah, that was a good breakdown. How do you how do you end the podcast? Well, we end it by asking you if you know we wanted to follow you or if anyone listening wanted to follow your socials. What would oh, they be? No, I have no social media. That's a fucking lie, Josh. No, I'm not on social media anymore. What about your photography pages? No, it doesn't exist. Do you really not want to advertise? <laughs> no, I'm all right. all right. I need to advertise myself. You're comfortable with who you are as a person. Um, yes, George. I'm going to go put everything on private now and delete myself from the internet. Oh my God. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Josh. It's been good being on the show, George. Oh, you're very really welcome, have... Josh. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Have a merry Christmas to you. I'm sorry I've, I've just had a mental breakdown on your podcast. It's all good. It's good for drama. It'll bring in it? the... It's good for retention. Get retention. those analytics. Oh, nice one. Hopefully, hopefully some people listen. Yeah, and you know, I'll see you soon, possibly, maybe, uh, if the world doesn't end. Nah, I won't see you for another year, mate. I thought I was coming around when Little Nightmares 2 came out. When's that? February. Oh, okay, I'll catch you in February, man. Yeah, all right. So, as we always say on the <laughs> podcast, Josh, are you ready? Yeah. Ready for classic saying, <gasps> bye. Bye, guys. Bye, Josh. Still me, Santa Claus. George has started bleeding from the head, but before you all rush off to open your presents, he wanted me to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. He asked if I could do that, and I said, Me? 
You know who I am. That's my job, silly. I know exactly how to do that. I've been working hard all year making so many chocolate maker sets for the kiddies that only come with half the amount of chocolate you need to make them work. I can wish people a super Christmas in my sleep. I do that on the reg, dog. <laughs> uh, well, if George survives, he said he'll be back with another episode very soon. But, uh... Between you and me, I don't know if he's gonna make it. Uh, I hit that boy pretty hard. <laughs> oh well, ha. see you next year. Merry Christmas. Bye now. Ha. The Passionless Podcast is created by George Morris, with artwork by Molly Massey, and music by Kristen Kenyon. Thank you.